Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul states, quote, But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The scripture declares that we are made right with God not by anything we do or don't do, but only through our faith in what Jesus has done in our place and on our behalf. Our good works can never satisfy the righteous requirements of a holy God. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 3 and learn this all-important principle of being made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday afternoon here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all still loving on Jesus, spending time with him, spending time in the scriptures, spending time in prayer, spending time in fellowship with, with other Christians, spending time helping others to become Christians, spending time in evangelism and uh, spend, spending time, you know, growing to be a disciple of Jesus and helping others to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, today, Lord willing, we're going to finish Romans chapter 3, uh, verses 21 to 31. And I mean, these, I mean, it's just, this is big right here. I mean, just, again, this whole book of Romans is just a, uh, you know, it's just, there's no words for it. The revelation in this book of Romans has so much weight it's, it is like dynamite. It has so much power. Wow. All right, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for our Bible. We thank you for this book of Romans, Father. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. We thank you for the revelation of the book of Romans and above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, the most important figure in all the history of the world, in the history of the universe, and the history of eternity. It's you, Lord Jesus. That's everything. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, as always, for becoming a human man for us for living a perfect life that we could never live on our behalf, for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today. And again, we worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, here we go. Romans 3. 21 to 31. Now remember, he has just given us, Paul has just given us, uh, you know, a, a, a tremendous list of scriptures that just show how totally sinful and utterly worthless all humanity is outside of Jesus Christ how we can in no way be made right with God by anything we do, by good works cannot in any way make us right with God. And so now he begins in verse 21 by saying, but now a righteousness from God 
apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Wow. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. I mean, wow. Y'all, I mean, it's, I mean, this is so big, just we're going to unpack this now, okay? And, and the weight of this really, really, really does need to come home. We're here now in the book of Romans. Up to this point, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, up to verse 20, the Apostle Paul has gone out of his way to prove that all humanity, every person in the history of the world that's ever lived, is sinful. They fall short of God's holy standard and they're in a state of spiritual death. They're separated from God. They're headed to hell, hopeless, helpless, and desperate. Every single person is sinful. Again, he went through that whole list that we went through last time. Um, there is none righteous, none one, none who seeks God. They have together become worthless. There's no fear of God before their eyes, etc., etc., etc. And so he ends up in verse uh, 20 by saying, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So Paul ends in 20 by saying, um, we can never be made right with God by doing good, by doing enough good, so to speak, to offset the bad we've done, which every other religion in the world, that's how they're trying to be made right with God. They're trying to do enough good works to offset the wrong they know they've done. They have this idea of a scale. And then when they stand before God, they hope that their good outweighs their bad and that God lets them in. Literally, every religion in the world outside of true, genuine, biblical Christianity has this idea of a works-based righteousness, right? They, they understand they're sinful, They'll say, we know we're not perfect, we've done wrong, but they're going to try to work really hard and they're going to hope that their good somehow takes away their bad. The problem is good never takes away bad rap, okay? It, 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 there is no nowhere anywhere that good takes away bad. In the state of Texas, if we murder someone, it doesn't matter how much good we've done. If you stood before the judge, you'd either get life in prison or you'd be executed. And it wouldn't matter how much good 
you or I had done. If you blew through a red light and the policeman pulls you over, you couldn't say, officer, but I didn't go through the last 50 red lights. I stopped at all of them. It wouldn't matter. All the good you did in, in stopping at those previous 50 red lights wouldn't take away the fact that you broke the law with this one and you'd have to pay the penalty. It's the same in Jesus. All the good we do won't take away our sin that we've already committed. We need a savior. We're hopeless, we're helpless, we're desperate. We need a savior to make us right with God the Father. And here it is in verse 21. Wow. Verse 21, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Whew, one of the most incredible verses in all the Bible. This verse just rocked Martin Luther. It freed Martin Luther. Paul says, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets, to which the Old Testament testified would happen. What does he mean by now, but now a righteousness from God? But now a way to be made right with God apart from law, apart from trying to do good, but now a righteousness from God, a way, Becky, to be made right with God that has nothing to do with anything you do good or do bad has been made known. Wow. How can a sinner be made right with God? But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. It's not it's, 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 it's a new covenant, but even the old covenant in the Old Testament testified that a new covenant would come. This way to be made right with God, verse 22, this righteousness from God, again, it's, it's a righteousness that comes from God. It's a way to be made right with God as opposed to a self-righteousness, as opposed to us trying to do enough good to do enough right that when we stand before God, you know, he'll welcome, welcome us into heaven because we had our own righteousness. We had our own obedience. We did enough good, so to speak, to get to heaven. It'll never work, okay? All the good we ever do won't take away our bad. We cannot be made right with God in ourselves, okay? There's nothing we can do. There is no righteousness that we can perform that will make us right with God. We're hopeless, helpless, desperate, headed to hell. We need to be saved. We need a savior. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. Okay, so you cannot be made right with God by obeying the law, by following the Ten Commandments, by doing good. You're made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, by your faith in what Jesus has done on your behalf and in your place. You're made right with God by believing in Jesus, by trusting in Jesus, by relying on what Jesus did at the cross, by dying in your place and being punished 
in your place, all right? Then by believing that God raised him from the dead, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all right? One of the most important scriptures in the Bible. Uh, Every human being, all 8 billion people in the world currently that are living and all the billions of people that have lived, every single human being is sinful and falls short of God's holy standard. They fall short of the glory of God in every way. Every single one of us has not lived a life that brings glory to God and that is what is our responsibility, Scott. Our responsibility is to live a life that brings glory to God. Glory to God in our beliefs. Glory to God in our thoughts. Glory to God in our words. Glory to God in our actions. And every single one of us has failed this over and over and over. And here the scripture tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Big words. So what does this mean? Okay, so this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ means that believing that Jesus, God the Son, the Son of God, came and entered this world, lived a perfect righteous life on your behalf that you could never live, died a torturous death on your behalf that you should have died. He was punished in your place at the cross. He was judged in your place. He died the death you should have died. And then he was raised from the dead. By believing that, by believing that Jesus came and did these things, and then by putting your full confidence in him, knowing he's your only hope, to save you from the wrath of God and eternal hell, right? By trusting in him, by clinging to him, by calling out to him desperately and asking him to save you from your sin, to be the Lord of your life and to bring you to heaven when you die, right? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call on Jesus, understanding your hopeless, helpless, desperate condition and ask him to be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin. You proclaim your full faith and trust and confidence from him and him alone and not in yourself, in your own works, in your own righteousness, you will be saved. God has given his word. It's in this book in chapter 10, verse 13, right? Okay. Wow. Okay. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, verse 24, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What does it mean? And are justified. What does the word justified mean here, Esther? Justified means, the simple definition of justified means to be declared not guilty of sin. Okay, means it's a judicial term that means you're declared not guilty. In Jesus Christ, when you receive him as Savior, you're actually declared by God the Father not guilty of sin and righteous before God. It's incredible. He declares you righteous by your faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Faith is the instrument. It's through faith that you're declared righteous, not by faith, but through faith that you're declared righteous before God the Father based on what Jesus did 
at the cross on your behalf and in your place. So that's justified and are justified freely by his grace. Okay, that word freely is important. You're not made right with God based on what Jesus did and on what you did. I'm not made right with him based on what Jesus did and, and what I did. It's a free gift. We're justified freely by his grace. His grace is his unmerited favor. It's something we could never earn, okay? It's a gift that's given to us that we couldn't earn in any manner or in any way. And are justified, declared not guilty of sin and righteous before God freely by his grace. It's a free gift. We don't help ourselves get saved. It comes through faith alone in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption means to be purchased, to be bought back. Redemption is a, it was a word used when a slave was purchased out of slavery. We were, we were in slavery to sin, and the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross purchased us out of that slavery. We were redeemed out of slavery to become children of our heavenly father. Wow. Whew. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption, again, being bought back, being purchased out of slavery of sin through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now look at 25. It's going to go deep. God presented him as a, a sacrifice of atonement. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Now, this is deep. What does this mean? God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement. Atonement means that we're reconciled back to our heavenly father, back to God the Father. And it was God who presented Jesus. It was God the Father who presented Jesus, God the Son, as a sacrifice of atonement. A sacrifice of atonement means to reconcile us, to, to bring us back to God. Now, he did this by, by appeasing the wrath of God. Okay, meaning God didn't just overlook our sin. God poured all of our sin. God the Father poured all of our sin on to Jesus. He didn't just overlook the sin. He couldn't just overlook the sin as a holy God. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Okay, he appeased the wrath of God. And taking the wrath of God, taking all the punishment for our sin, he put it on Jesus at the cross and in so doing reconciled us back to himself through Jesus Christ. It's a lot to get your head around, right? I mean, it's, yeah, wow. Whew. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. So again, faith in his blood means in, you know, having faith in his death on the cross and the blood he shed at the cross, but his blood represents the, the death he died on the cross 
on our place and on our behalf, in our place and on our behalf. Jesus was judged in our place. He was punished in our place. That's the atonement. That's what what reconciled us. That's what brought us back to God. That's what the penalty was paid for our sin. A reparation was paid. Christ paid the penalty we should have paid. As you've heard me say over and over, he died the death, this torturous death that we deserve to die. And in that reconciled us back to our heavenly father through our faith in what Jesus has done for us on our place, in our place, and uh, on our behalf at the cross, right? Wow. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. There's actually a note in the scripture that says, or as the one who would turn aside his wrath, taking away sin. Okay. So in the atonement, Jesus actually satisfies the wrath of God against sin. Now, again, this is a heavy, heavy concept that, yes, there is a wrath of God. As much as there's the love of God, there is the wrath of God. He is a holy God, okay? Our Heavenly Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, we have one God, one being, okay? Three separate, distinct individual persons in the Trinity, but they are, it's, it, he's a holy God. Okay, and sin must be satisfied and his wrath, his anger over sin must be satisfied. And he placed that on Jesus at the cross. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Verse 25, he did this to demonstrate his justice. Okay, what does that mean? He couldn't just overlook sin. He couldn't just say, well, sin is no big deal. I'm just going to overlook sin and save everybody. A holy God cannot, he could not do that. He did this to demonstrate his justice, okay? So in order for us to be saved, death had to happen. It should have been our death and an eternity in hell paying for our sin and satisfying the wrath of God for our sin. But instead, Jesus took our place at the cross and satisfied the wrath of God and the justice of God. Wow. Just again, we need to wrap our heads around this. This is so big, May, right? God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. What does he mean beforehand? Well, all those in the Old Testament they were also all sinners, okay? In the Old Testament, there were people, you know, the people would look forward to salvation and the Messiah that would come. They were trusting in the coming Messiah, uh, the coming Savior. They looked forward to the cross. They looked forward to the time that Jesus would come and live and die on their behalf. They certainly didn't understand it, but they had faith in the Messiah that was to come. They looked forward to the cross. We, you know, Jesus died in our place 2,000 years ago. In the New Covenant, in the New Testament, you know, 2,000 years after he died, we look back to the cross, okay? It's the same cross that saves us all, whether in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he put the law in place. 
where you would, you know, you'd put an animal on the altar, a bull or a goat or a ram, and you would, you would slit its throat and the blood would fall into the bowl. And, and, you know, that animal would cover over your sin so that the Lord wouldn't strike you down, wouldn't have to strike you down for your sin. You wouldn't have to die. The animal temporarily died in your place, but that animal couldn't take away your sin. That animal couldn't satisfy the wrath of God. So God himself, God, the son, Jesus became a human man, Alicia, to die in your place and on your behalf and in my place and on my behalf. Okay. You see, we're going through it now, step by step by step, right? He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So again, all the sin of all the people in the Old Testament, he hadn't punished, you know, he, he hadn't bringing, he hadn't given any punishment for that sin yet. So it wasn't that he was just simply overlooking it. He was going to bring punishment for that sin. And that punishment was going to be put to Jesus and has been put to Jesus on the cross. So it, you, you couldn't say, well, you know, God just overlooked the sin of the Old Testament. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. 26, he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just in the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, again, this is just, this is just incredible. So he did it. Jesus's death on the cross pays for all the sins that were committed in the Old Testament before Jesus came and Jesus's death on the cross pays for all the sins committed to those who would live after Jesus came. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just. What does that mean, to be just? He didn't just overlook sin, okay? He poured the sin of the world on to Jesus. Jesus was tortured at the cross and took the sin of the world on him, was actually separated. He experienced a separation of the unity of the Trinity. On the cross, Jesus says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And again, we don't understand this completely, but there was a fracture of sorts where Jesus for the first time in all eternity and the Father and the Holy Spirit they did not experience the unity and oneness because the sin of the world was put on Jesus. Big deal, right? He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time. So as to be just, he didn't just overlook sin. He was just, there was a penalty paid for sin by Jesus at the cross and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So our father did it all. He was not only just, but he's also the one who justifies. He's the one based on what Christ has done that declares us righteous, not guilty of sin and righteous before him by our faith in what Jesus did at the cross. It's incredible, right? So he did it all. He, he, he not only had payment for sin, he just didn't overlook it. He was just and the justifier and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus the one who makes people right with him by their faith in what Christ has done. I mean, there's no words. The revelation is just is overwhelming. 27, where then is boasting? It is excluded. 
On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. Just think about all this now. In light of this revelation, how possibly could a human being think that they're going to work their way to God, they're going to stand before God, hold up their good works before God, and boast that they deserve to be in heaven? It's ludicrous, right? It's an absurdity. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. Of course it's excluded. Not, not one person will, I mean, just to think in light of all that we've just talked about, how absurd is it, Kristen, that you're going to stand before a holy God and boast that you deserve to be here in light of all that's happened in Jesus and all that was paid on your behalf by Jesus at the cross? Where then is it boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith, okay? We can't boast because we're not made right with God by anything we've done, but only by by putting our full faith and trust and confidence in Jesus, right? Verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. So again, we are justified. We're declared not guilty of sin, righteous before God, apart from observing the law. It has nothing to do at all with our good works, okay? It has nothing to do with our obedience. Never does our obedience or our good works help get us to heaven in any way. It's in Christ alone. Now, that being said, once we've received Christ as Savior, the the, the outworking of that ought to be a lifestyle of obedience and good works, but we do that because we love him, because we understand all that he's done for us. We don't do it to help earn our way to heaven, right? Verse 29, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Verse 30, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised, the Jews by faith, and the uncircumcised through that same faith, the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, all those who weren't through Jews. So again, We have one God. He's the God of everyone. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. We have a triune God, and everyone is made right with him only by faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. Verse 31, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. It doesn't mean that the law has no purpose. The law shows us how sinful we are. It drives us to our need of a savior. And ultimately, by putting our faith in Jesus, we actually are made righteous. And God the Father looks at us as if we lived a perfect life of obedience as Jesus did when he lived this earth, when he lived on this earth. Wow. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, Lord. Father, we thank you for this incredible revelation in the book of Romans. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for living for us. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you that you're alive and risen today, and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.